if you haven't yet heard, I have just released a free, yes, free journaling course. If you've always wanted to try journaling, but just don't know where to start, or you've been hearing how powerful journaling can be, but you just don't understand why, or you want to create a daily practice that enhances your life, but you just need a little support in doing that without it costing you anything, this course will do all that for you. It is packed with content that will show you just why journaling is important, how to do it, where to start, and how to make it work for you. It is completely free, and that is as a way for me to pay it forward because journaling really is one of the most integral parts of my growth practice and I want to give that to you. All you have to do is click on the link in the show notes to get the course sent directly to your inbox. That's why I designed SendState so that um, you didn't you, and you don't have to do anything. Yeah. You don't even have to follow something. Yeah. Because as soon as um, you, you're asked to do something, even something as simple as listen or watch something, it activates the part of the brain that uh, makes you want, worry about whether or not you're achieving it properly. Mm, and yeah, I want, yeah. And, yeah, and I really wanted to switch that whole mechanism off in people. Welcome back to Reconditioned. Thank you for being here once again. So I have just got off uh, a recording with Stefan Schmelik, who is the inventor of Sensate, who if you listen to this a lot and you've listened to this season, you will recognize the name because they have been sponsoring this season. Because after I started using it, when a friend told me about it at the Health Optimization Summit and I went and tried it out and then bought one immediately, I got in touch with them to partner with them because it's one of the most amazing pieces of health tech I have ever come across and I try quite a lot of health tech as you know my love for it is not because it deepens my meditation because it does and for me that's one of the most important things it does for me personally my love for it is because of what it has done for people who don't find that meditation comes easily to I mean meditation doesn't come as easily to anyone and if you listen to this episode you'll hear us talking about that but for the people who suffer with anxiety for the people who life feels difficult for and anxiety is just kind of another thing in your life that's there all the time this is what the sensei is helping people with and this is what I'm grateful to Stefan for it is using infrasonic technology to stimulate or to activate the vagus nerve to calm the autonomic nervous system you don't have to do anything you switch this thing on you put it on your chest you follow the app music that is connected resonates with the infrasonic technology for 10 minutes and boom your anxiety levels have dropped so i'm in love with this thing and i let everyone who i come across use it because i take it everywhere i go and this episode was such a great insight for me into how this thing was built into how stefan came up with the idea for the sensate why it's so important why so many people are loving it so if you suffer with anxiety please listen if you, like me, are a meditator and you would like to deepen your meditation practice, please listen. And if you know nothing about anything I'm talking about, but would like to enhance your growth and improve your health and well-being, please listen. So that was this episode. I think you're going to love it. And the information about the Sensate with a discount is obviously in the show notes. And in other news, if you haven't yet heard, I have released a free 
journaling mini course to help you get started on your journaling journey. Please check out the show notes for that. All you need to do is literally open the link and register. It's a a totally free course with some incredible content. Just because it's free, don't discount that the content is great and full of little nuggets of wisdom that will help you on your journaling journey. And of course, my free three-day training challenge, Uncover Your Purpose challenge is starting very soon. So again, link in the show notes to get yourself registered for that. There's going to be some incredible prizes available. And honestly, it will help you really start scratching the surface and getting beneath that surface and figuring out what is your purpose and how the hell do you get to it? So that is all from me today. I hope you enjoy the episode. As usual, please be in touch. Let me know how you feel about the episode, what you think about the episode, and feel free to leave a review because why not? Let's pay it forward. Listen up, ladies. If you listen to these episodes but wonder how the hell to implement all the stuff I talk about, I am offering you the chance to join the biggest free of charge live training event I have ever offered. In order to heal one part of ourselves, we have to heal the whole self. And from Monday, the 7th of November, the Uncover Your Purpose training will begin, where I'll be offering three 30-minute intensive and interactive online live training sessions to teach you exactly how to alchemize your life. For those who turn up live for all three of the remote trainings and get involved in the challenges I'll set, there will be incredible prizes and incentives. And I'm talking really worth your while. It is completely free no strings attached. You just have to show up and make that commitment to your growth. If you want to find your purpose, get healthy, get happy, and start manifesting the hell out of life, click the link in the show notes and register now. Stefan Schmelik is a health visionary, stress response expert, lifelong meditator, founder of London's Harley Street New Medicine Group, and the inventor of the Sensate technology. Stefan is a technology innovator and physician with 30 years clinical experience, working with tens of thousands of patients experiencing stress and anxiety. He is now entirely devoted to leveraging his significant and unique experience towards achieving maximum impact for Sensate as the ideal customer solution. So welcome, Stefan. Laura, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So we're going to get into the uh, the sensate and everything about it and, and kind of how you came to it. But I always start by asking the same question, which is what have you done so far today to support your wellness? Do you mean literally today? Literally today. <laughs> what, what, what's on your morning routine? Um, it does vary a little bit, but today I have been in the cold tub. Uh, I like to do some cold exposure, which is an interesting subject in itself about actually who that's suitable and who it isn't suitable for because it's not mm-hmm. suitable for everybody. Uh, I've done half an hour of meditation, um, uh, which isn't every day, but on, on Thursdays, actually, I am part of a, a silent meditation group. So we, we sit there, wow. not saying anything, with a bit of chanting, which is nice. I've had a sensate session, as I do uh, every day. I've done a, a small amount of yoga, just some kind of stretching and stuff. And um, at the moment, I'm, I've, I've created a kind of um, ceremonial cacao uh, medicinal mushroom and fat drink, kind of bulletproof-ish, but with a lot of mushrooms mm. in it, which I'm taking, which is great. Oh, I'm a big mushroom fan. Um, and I'm also a big Sensate fan, as you know. So <laughs> um, let's get on to that. But you mentioned about um, 
about cold exposure. And I know my audience are really interested in this. We, we speak about it a lot because I recently interviewed um, Kristen Whitesell, who's a leading female biohacker. And we talk about um, the difference between men and women and the things that our bodies need differently. So when we're engaging in something like keto or fasting or cold exposure, how it is different for men and women. And you just mentioned um, getting into the ice tub. My husband's also got an ice tub outside. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Just out of interest, because you you touched on that. Yeah. I mean, I think the basis of anything, um, any kind of holistic practice is that it's about the individual. So, you know, there is no one diet that suits everyone. There's no one mm -hmm. vitamin or vitamin regime that everyone needs, needs to take or one uh, dietary regime that everyone needs to do. And, and that, I think, is the tricky bit is being able to, for the person, the individual, being able to differentiate between um, uh, what they personally feel they need versus what's actually more of a craving. Right. Yes, or, 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 in, or indeed peer pressure. Because, you know, nobody needs sugar or chocolate bar, but actually we can really feel like we do sometimes. Right. So mm -hmm. that's kind of uh, the difference between sort of really listening to the body on a deep level, an intuitive level, and going with what the body, the brain chemicals, the, uh, the chemicals are telling us um, that we, we want to do. Um, I mean, I think if we, if we kind of simplify, I think cold exposure, there's some really, really good evidence for it. It's one of the things actually that there's some solid evidence for in terms of longevity. Uh, along with calorie restriction, which isn't the same as dieting at all. But you know, th those are probably the two items that have the most uh, evidence for long-term health and longevity. But um, uh, being a Chinese medicine practitioner at heart, I am, we're also really well-schooled and versed in the idea of what suits the individual, what's constitutionally mm. appropriate. And, and uh, Southeast Asian medicine particularly is very... Uh, um, uh, prone to being cautious about cold exposure, damp exposure, and wind exposure. Mm. Now, you know, part of that's obviously traditional um, because for thousands of years, those were real issues. Um, and, and obviously in the West generally and in the developed countries generally, that isn't such a problem now. But, you know, once you go outside and you expose yourself to cold, then, you know, your, your central heating and, and what have you doesn't really count anymore. So, so, so if somebody is feeling, if somebody is ill, um, they're constitutionally quite weakened following an illness in general, um, or they are very prone to feeling the effects of cold, then cold exposure probably isn't for them. And if you basically continue to feel cold after being in a cold environment, you don't actually, obviously you feel cold at the time, but if you don't start to warm up after having dried yourself off, then again, metabolically, it's probably not right for you. Mm -hmm. So you will continue to lose body heat for about 20 minutes afterwards which is why it's really important to dry yourself off and get, and get into dry clothes. But if you continue to feel cold after that, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. Interesting. Really interesting. Which is, um, there is the shiver response, of course, because it's about the mobilization of um, brown adipose and white adipose tissue, tissue by wet and bat, and particularly between the shoulder blades where a lot of that stuff is stored. So the shiver response is an indication of metabolic change. So you kind of do want to shiver, ideally. Um, but you could, but you shouldn't, of course, be going into a long-term shivering. You know, half an hour later, that's that's not helpful. Yeah, amazing. Thank you for that. Um, so you've obviously got this huge depth of knowledge when it comes to health. Where did that start? And 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 take us through your history a little bit because I think it gives great context for when we go into what you what you do now and what you're doing with the Sensate. Oh well, thank you. I mean, I'm not, yeah, I've been immersed in um, natural healthcare, holistic healthcare, lifelong, really. So. 
dad was a kind of self-taught um, homeopath, naturopath. Um, so we were kind of brought up really within that context, the unvaccinated, you know, I've never been vaccinated for anything as it happens um, uh, by my dad's choice. And I've continued that uh, that there, thereafter. Um, and, and also Eastern philosophy uh, was something that was in the house, Buddhist philosophy, Sufi philosophy yeah. uh, was, was very much around. Dad was an early uh, follower of um, uh, one of the Gurdjieff groups, which is um, quite an esoteric tradition within almost within Sufism. Um, and I, I ran a number of businesses, but um, uh, but I, I um, started practicing Chinese medicine, trained for um, seven years, started practicing Chinese medicine about 30 years ago. Uh, and really, it really kind of felt like coming home, really. Um, uh, I, uh, the, the concepts didn't feel at all alien. Uh, they felt very natural. Um, and I was absolutely drawn to them and understood the, the way that uh, Chinese medicine has this natural affinity with the environment, with the elements, with the change of seasons. Uh, and I feel very strongly that that's something uh, that we've really lost contact with mm. in the developed world. Uh, and something which we're now seeing, I think, that is actually the thing we need to go back to, nature exposure, mm. uh, understanding the elements. You know, it was the full moon, the hunter's moon, a couple of days, a few days ago. Mm. Um, uh, and noticing that, yeah, noticing the phases of the moon, noticing the change of seasons. That uh, We were just talking the other day, but in Japan, they have 72 micro seasons. So there's this really, really nuanced recognition of almost daily um, uh, change in, mm. what, in what's going on around you, you know, so when when the insects start chirping is one is one season, you know, when such and such a bird arrives is another season. It's every few days there's this gradual recognition. I love uh, that. Yeah, it's, it's like it's a gorgeous thing, isn't it? So um, so Dad taught me and my brother to meditate when I was very young, five or six or something like that. So I've been meditating for a long time uh, as well uh, and using breath work. Um, I meditated with a number of uh, um, uh, masters, including. Uh, John Kabat-Zinn, who is the originator of what we call mindfulness um, within the within the context of his work, um, and you know, extended retreats. So, so, so that's kind of informed my practice uh, for a great many years. Is you know how how can uh, we use breathwork and meditation to enable people to transcend and, and ascend? Mm. So you brought up the other contentious subject of vaccines, which I'm happy you did. Um, because it's always interesting when it comes up. I'm just interested as someone who's never been vaccinated for my audience who might be questioning. I, <laughs> yeah, I, was, I mean, I mean, I was gone. So no, I was inside. I was vaccine injured. Um, and that's where um, I was diagnosed with, with rheumatoid arthritis just before my second birthday as a result um, of vaccine being a catalyst that triggered the autoimmune response. So I was vaccinated. Um, my children are not, um, but I wonder as someone who has never been vaccinated, because I don't have that experience myself, mm. how that fared for you during childhood and now in terms of your immune system. Yeah. So it was never a decision to not be vaccinated. Um, you know, I, I, you know, dad just, you know, the, the family just didn't, didn't, simply didn't vaccinate me or my brother. Uh, so I've never been, I'm, I'm not anti-vaccine. Uh, I'm just not vaccinated, which is, you know, I think is a little bit different. Um, and uh, so and I, I would like to think that I review the evidence uh, as, you know, as time goes on. So you know, any new vaccine or any new situation or any place I might want to go and live in is different and presents different risks. Uh, and for me, it's all about, um, you know, most decisions actually are about risk judgment. Mm. And I think we have, a, you know, we have a warped sense of what risk is 
now. Human beings are naturally not very good at the best of times at determining risk. Um, and uh, I mean, for me, there wasn't really much of a, a basis to um, to have the current the, the, the vaccine, the more recent vaccines, because the results didn't seem to have a verifiable enough uh, difference to the outcomes. Interesting. Thank you. Um, okay, so you founded quite a few health-related companies, um, and now, obviously, uh, and been working in health and well-being for most of your life, and now your focus is on the Sensate. So. I'd love for you to talk us through what the Sensate is, because as you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I use the Sensate daily. Um, I take it with me wherever I go. <laughs> so I'm always like, you'll always find me somewhere. Sometimes I work from this uh, co-working space and um, and you'll always kind of find me sitting around somewhere <laughs> using the Sensate, meditating or breathing. So um, I, and everyone looks at it and they're like, what is that? <laughs> and then they all try it for 10 minutes and subsequently go on to, to buy one. So um, I'd love for you to talk us through what it is and what it does and what the purpose of it is and how you actually came up with the idea. Yeah, I mean, we've been using uh, sound. That's the cat. That's right. We're, we're cool with animals here. It's all good. Trying to get into the real room. life. This um, is real life. <laughs> well, it's normally it's normally naked children running past as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've been using sound, as they say, all my life in meditation and breathing work, um, but but in my professional work as well for for many many decades, um, and uh, that included uh, sound technology. So I um, so I, I started putting speakers under pillows and on the, on the treatment couch, I mean, a long, long time ago. And it kind of evolved from there, really. So I started experimenting with uh, having um, bigger speakers and bigger transducers in, in, in the couch, et cetera. And then a number of um, years ago, uh, one of my colleagues, one of my doctor colleagues, we were developing um, a uh, IV range for a very upmarket Swiss clinic. Uh, and they had this technology there. And he rang me up and said, well, you've got to see this. This is really convincing. So, um, so I had a look at what they were using. And it was a large kind of sound bed, a zero gravity sound bed with big transducers built onto it. And you lay on it and had a big computer, used headphones. And it was, and it was fantastic. It was developed for uh, the US Army, for soldiers returning back from Iran and Iraq in particular with PTSD and anxiety and insomnia and chronic pain states. Uh, and it had fabulous results for that, you know, really uh, remarkable results. So we started using it in clinic. We also started seeing these incredible outcomes, um, which we weren't able to achieve really with other things um, in anywhere near the same kind of time. And I was sitting on that one day and I had this kind of eureka moment, you know, the whole, the whole kind of concept and the patents and the blueprints and everything were kind of downloaded in this moment. And I realized that you could, um, we could miniaturize the device by flipping it onto the front of the body uh, and using the body as the instrument. And that's really the kind of, the, that's the innovative step, if you like, um, that the, uh, the the pebble, the device, <clears throat> obviously I have one here, uh, goes on the chest, as you know very well, uh, and it emits infrasound, so low frequency sound. So we write these compositions, which you, uh, you wear headphones and you listen to the audio part, um, you know, uh, from, from the app, you choose the track in the app and you listen to that. And that's synchronized with the infrasound component which is not just simply the base end. Um, it's taken us, took us three years to work out how to uh, create infrasound content that resonates in the right kind of way with the, you know, and with the right kind of frequencies uh, and for the kind of outcomes that we're looking to achieve. But by putting it on the chest, um, you can't really hear it, as you know, but it resonates into the chest and via the bone, via bone conduction and turns the thorax into like a speaker. So a bit like, you know, you can have a beautiful speaker, but unless you've also got a beautiful, nice 
um, resonant probably would uh, speaker cabinet around it, the sound isn't going to be that isn't going to be great. So your chest is very much like that speaker cabinet. Um, and the point about that also, what's lovely about that is that everybody wearing it will experience a kind of bespoke experience based on their own chest architecture, their bone density, uh, the volume uh, of airspace within the chest, the ratio, ratio between where the diaphragm is, the lungs, the heart, et cetera. Um, and it produces this kind of almost whole body experience. That's very much like an immersive, it turns you know, normal music into very deeply immersive music. Mm. Um, the most kind of common parallels people give are like being at a sound bath. Mm-hmm. or a flotation tank or having a cat on your chest purring. These are the kind of this is the sort of uh, similes that people often use to describe uh, what the experience is like. Mm. Um, and I started using this with people in clinic. We ran thousands of sessions um, and it was designed to work in 20 minutes, but actually we found that within 10 minutes, uh, people, we were seeing you know, measurable changes to subjective and objective biomarkers like heart rate variability, uh, pulse rate, um, respiratory capnography, and a bunch of other factors. So, that, so the use case, what we ask people to do is 10 minutes once a day. Um, and because it's, you know, because it's really pleasant to use, <laughs> um, it's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not an unpleasant. It doesn't feel like a chore, no. It, it doesn't feel like a chore. It's actually really quite nice. People really look forward to it. Uh, a lot of people run many sessions in a day uh, because they enjoy the experience. And I think really importantly, um, it doesn't require any expertise. Um, and so, you know, that's, there, there's, you know, there's, that, 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 that in itself is an interesting point. But for me, um, it's about the numbers. Yeah, so we're not really here to um, help people who can already meditate. Uh, of course, we have, you know, a great number of existing meditators and, and in fact, Buddhist monks and people that use it and they say it transforms their experience um, more speedily. I'm not sure why Buddhist monks need to get to that place more quickly. But, um, um, people, you know, even, even experienced meditators find it takes them into a meditation flow state more quickly than if they're just using themselves. That's what I find. I've been meditating for 20 years and it definitely deepens my meditation practice. And what I found as well is that if I, sorry to interrupt you, but this is just an interesting point, something that I've kind of experimented with. I might do like a 10 minute session with the sensate to kind of get me just like calming down into that alpha brainwave state, like which I might do breath work for sometimes before my meditation, but sometimes I might just do the sensate and then go into my standard kind of meditation practice without the sensate because I feel like I'm in a in in a better place to do that I've kind of it's broken the state breaks the state between being in the beta you know heightened brainwave states and bringing back down into alpha and maybe possibly even to theta and, and being able to really get for me it deepens my meditation practice for sure okay so one of the challenges I hear from you guys the most is how hard it is to drop into meditation or even to relax and just feel calm. And you know I speak a lot here about how our bodies have not evolved to manage the level of stress we're faced with today, which means we're constantly in fight or flight mode with our sympathetic nervous systems always activated, which we know leads to depression and anxiety and also chronic health problems. If we want to be well, We have to find ways to mitigate this. We have to do that ourselves. And I believe in merging natural daily practices with the kind of health tech that enables us to counter and mitigate the challenges that modern life throws at us. And the Sensate is one of those products and I wanna tell you about it. 
So the Sensei is a small palm-sized device that sends infrasonic waves through the chest in order to activate the vagus nerve and calm the autonomic nervous system, which is the body's command center. Together with the specially composed hemispheric audio within the app, you will literally feel calmer after only a short session. I give this to anyone I'm with if I have it on me, which I usually do, and everyone has the same response. It's amazing, and I already feel less stressed, and where can I get one? Now, I'm particularly recommending the Sensate to anyone who suffers from anxiety and wants to help calm the nervous system, those who want to deepen their meditation practice, and people who are looking for ways to be calmer and more grounded. Now most of you know I work with a shaman and he has taught me that our higher intelligence places ideas of health technology in the minds of those who can create and invent these products. And I truly believe this to be the case with things like the Aura Ring, some of Vedic, even diagnostic devices in hospital. And for me, I believe that to be true with the Sensate. We have lived for too long in a high stress state. We need more to help us counter that. So you can get £20 off the Sensate by visiting GetSensate.com, that's G-E-T-S-E-N-S-A-T-E.com and using the code Lauren20. That's GetSensate.com and the code Lauren20. Thank you to Sensate for partnering with Reconditioned. And now back to the episode. No, and that's wonderful to hear. Um, and the, the main outcomes that people report are obviously um, deepened meditation, heightened relaxation, reduction in anxiety, but also... Uh, as I think you, you were t- kind of touching upon, improvement to sleep. Mm. There's a lot. There's the chronic the sleep um, issues are endemic. You know, the percentage of the population that has difficulty sleeping is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, I think for me, you know, we live in a very unnatural, very hyper-stimulated environment mm-hmm. that no human beings have ever lived before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much and so many of the kind of natural support mechanisms that we would have had in the communities, extended families, elders, mm. a dozen other things have been removed. Uh, our access to nature um, and, you know, being aware of the seasons uh, has been you know, largely removed. Um, our comfort levels have increased significantly. And that's really important, actually, from an anti-fragility point of view. Mm. And co- comfort is the enemy of anti-fragility. Um, so I'm quite big on the idea of people removing comforts from their life. Mm. And it's not the same as resilience. Uh, resilience can be useful, um, but anti-fragility is a uniquely biological um, uh, metric, if you like, whereas you can make a very resilient machine. You can't make an anti-fragile machine. Anti-fragile mm. being meaning that it gets stronger because of challenge, yeah, so so no, what sort of things are you removing comfort-wise then, just out of interest? Well, so, you know, regulating cold exposure. So turning, um, uh, you don't need to sit in your sitting room in winter with a T-shirt on yeah, and, the, and the heating up full. So turn the heating down. Um, <clears throat> turn some of the lights off. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, for multiple reasons. You really don't want overhead light during the day or certainly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and blue light, et cetera. But also, um, you know, allow your brain and your uh, more primitive parts of your brain and nervous system to cope with lower light levels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't uh, be, be okay about having to take a moment for your eyes to adjust and to walk around your house with less light available. Um, uh, you know, be okay being hungry sometimes. 
And mm-hmm. we use these terms, don't we? Like I'm starving. But you know, right. <laughs> how many of us have ever actually been starving? I mean, probably very few. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, what we mean is I'm peckish. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so, so there's lots of things which, um, you know, which are which are very comforting. But the problem with comfort is it, you can never have too much. There's no such thing as too much comfort. Mm. Yeah, as soon as you have this new comfort level, you just want more anyway. Mm. Uh, and it just makes you less and less um, adaptable. Because then when something changes, which it will, because that's the only universal law, mm-hmm. is the one of impermanence, then you're less able to adapt. Yeah, I agree about the heating as well. I think with, it just totally messes with the thyroid and the adrenals and... You know, okay, we have to have it on sometimes when it's really, really cold. But you know, maybe just a, a short spurt of it here and there, and wear a jumper, and maybe hold a hot water bottle if it's really, you know. But the central heating does us so much damage. Yeah, I'm not a fan of central heating. We have it, and we turn it on, you know, a couple of times a day, I think. Um, but yeah, put on a jumper and grab a blanket. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so what happens physiologically? with the sensate, what's actually happening in the body when we're using it? Mm, that's such an interesting question. I mean, we have ideas and we have some evidence and we're doing more research to determine absolutely um, from, a, you know, from, a, from a biological point of view what's happening. Um, and what, what we do know is that sound travels very efficiently and very fast through water. Um, and the body is at least 75 and up to 96% water. So when you, a bit like sonar, when you ping a low frequency sound through bone conduction into the chest, into the body, it pings that through the entire water mechanism of the body, which is, the, which is really the connective tissue, the fascia. Um, which fascia is essentially water in a thixotropic state, water in, bound into a gel form. Yeah, so this, and, and you, you probably know what fascia is, you know, it's the, um, it's the kind of connective tissue that wraps around everything, goes literally everywhere. Lots of evidence now from Helen Longeron and other people that it's where the acupuncture meridians travel. And it's interesting that in Chinese medicine, they, they talk about the meridians in terms of water. They call them streams and rivers and, uh, you know, and seas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, and, and we, you know, we've tended to think that's meta- metaphorical, but actually it's possible it was much more literal than that. So you have these kind of water channels going around the body um, and they propagate sound incredibly well. So sound in water travels at about 1,500 meters a second, uh, whereas nerve conduction speed is about 330 meters a second. So in other words, sound is traveling through your body five times faster than nerve conduction speed. So you feel the sound before your nerves tell you it's happened. Wow. Um, and so this propagation of, and it's like dropping a pebble into a pond, these, these ripples. And that's really how sensate's working. We're getting these ripples of uh, infrasound combined, obviously, with the stuff that's affecting um, working on the brain directly via audio sound, air compression sound in the ears. Uh, and the combination of those two things are activating the um, sound receptors, but also the physical uh, body sound receptors um so you know my, my feeling is that when we're listening to music we're really only experiencing half sound because sound is so much about the felt sense mm. as it is about the heard sense you know as, as we know from concerts we know from you know um, bands that use big speakers and you know church organs 
mm. actually. You know, church organs are written, the music for church organs is written with two octaves, which are below hearing threshold. Really? So, um, uh, there's, you know, in, as you know, in England, we're blessed with a great number of uh, large cathedrals and churches. And, I, and I, 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 pilg- I do pilgrimages between them. But the roots are very, very ancient roots. Uh, they're, you know, they're much older than the churches, these pathways. Uh, the, the churches were built onto these roots rather than the other way around. Um, and I've, I've got a few of the organists to kind of, you know, show me their organs, as it were, and play these really, really low two, low two octaves. And you, you, it's true, you don't hear them. You know, they go. And then, but then you start to feel the, the building move. Mm. Um, and there is um, not a vast amount, but we're looking into it. There is uh, some research that indicates that infrasound, low frequency sound, is one of the prime movers of the sensation of awe. So for things to be awe-inspiring, they're very, very commonly associated with infrasound. So interesting. Never knew that about church organs or mm-hmm. that churches were built on these, um, yeah, on these energy. Well, it's why um, you, Spots. you almost always get really old um, uh, uh, elm trees in churchyards, you know, which are older than the church, because uh, the sites were built by, well, were, Druids worshipped at them. But even prior to that, prior to the Druids, there at the, most of these sites were sacred sites. Mm. Yeah. So I know that the sensate also works um, by activating the vagus nerve. Um, and I'd love you to talk us through that kind of in a really um, tangible sense, what it's doing with the autonomic nervous system, exactly why it's reducing anxiety for anyone listening who, for me, you know, I've been recommending the sensate particularly to friends or colleagues or, 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 or clients that I work with who suffer with anxiety. So I'd love for you to take us really into how it works on that level. Yeah, so the, the vagus uh, wanders, or you know, vagus literally means wander um, in Greek. And it goes, you know, all over the body, starting in the brainstem and going down through the neck and all through, through all the organs. And that's kind of the point, really. It, it is the it's, connected, it's the tenth cranial nerve. It's the largest branch of the autonomic nervous system, uh, and it corrects, it innovates directly all the viscera, all the organs. Yeah, and it's via the organs that we experience m- many of our emotions and feelings and sensations. Um, uh, we tend to think of the brain as being really where all thinking and feeling takes place. But, um, you know, we now know that there are three or five, depending on how you want to categorize it, brains in the body, including the enteric nervous system and the cardiac uh, nervous system. There's at least three and there's a number in the head, really. It's not really one brain in the head. So, um, you know, our, it's our body really that feels and remembers. And we know this within trauma therapy. So uh, anyone who's um, versed in trauma resolution will know that the memories uh, around trauma tend to be held in the body. They're not really thoughts so talk, which is why talking based therapy uh, is a quite limited impact on those kind of issues mm. because talking around it doesn't really transform anything whereas body orientated psychotherapies can be deeply transformative so um, that's why we're putting uh, low frequency sound you know, this enjoyable kind of resonance into the body so it's being felt by the cells in the body it's being felt by the fascia and the vagus nerve, amongst other places, runs just behind the uh, sternum here. So, so although you can't contact the vagus nerve electrically here, yeah, and you wouldn't stick a 
yeah, <laughs> an electrical device on your chest anyway. Um, you can uh, co contact the vagus nerve using sound. So, and I, so I write about the distinction between vagus nerve toning and vagus nerve stimulation. Because I think they're very different things. So vagus nerve stimulation is you know, an increasingly large medical speciality. There's a number of uh, technologies and devices which stimulate the vagus nerve electrically, either implantable devices like pacemakers, uh, items which you kind of um, use on the neck or the head or the ear. Um, and the, which is, and, and they, you know, they've been, there's some really great results for things like epilepsy, migraine. Um, they're now, uh, you know, researching them for autoimmune conditions and, and many, many other things. But the thing about electricity is, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, making a, a frog's legs twitch. Um, it, you can make things contract and stimulate them. You can't really, um, increase antifragility in the system by running electricity through them. Yeah. So, and, and as, as, as everything I do is about trying to increase, uh, resilience and antifragility, um, sound appears to be, from all our research and our patient uh, and, and user experience, uh, a much more viable mechanism for creating autonomic um, uh, flexibility. So that's really what it's about. And the vagus nerve is really the, the way, a, a very efficient way to describe this, this idea of autonomic flexibility, the ability to uh, upregulate and downregulate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as you know, the autonomic nervous system um, controls all those body functions, which you can't think about consciously. Yeah. Um, like you know, the heartbeat and the sweating and the blood pressure, and breathing and peristalsis. Breathing, of course, is, is, is the exception because it's the only one you can consciously and subconsciously impact, which is why it's so important. So you can't kill yourself by holding your breath because when you faint, your autonomic nervous system will take over. Uh, but you can stop yourself from breathing. And this is what happens with uh, stress and trauma is we tend to do a number of things, but you know, typically we hold our breath uh, and similar. And that becomes a pattern then, which is why body work and body orientated work is, is, is the solution. Um, <clears throat> so uh, with sensate being where it is, over the thymus, over the center of the chest, uh, um, it's the vagus nerve, the whole autonomic nervous system, but also the heart and the lungs and the diaphragm are very much within that kind of beacon of so sonic resonance, sonic massage, if you like. And its impact is based really on the kind of things that human beings have been doing for thousands of years, uh, you know, all by themselves without anyone having to tell them to. So singing, chanting, omming, humming, uh, all these things are things which, you know, every culture on the planet has found a way to do to make their chest hum and resonate because it makes us feel better. It makes us feel good. Uh, cats purr at 33 hertz, uh, which is near infrasonic because they do that when they're happy or when they're injured and they're trying to heal. NASA is using 33 hertz now for astronauts uh, in space because bone density loss is a real issue um, when you can't do weight-bearing exercise. Mm. Um, uh, so it's, you know, so I, we've, we've, we've used ultrasounds. There's been much more, um, much more research into the use of medical ultrasounds, a high frequency sound. Um, but there's been much less research into the use of low frequency sound, which is what mm. we do. So it's a way, you know, so if we look at it in, in, in a, the simplest way of looking at it and the way I like to look at it is it's a way of very safely duplicating 
the kind of things that human beings have found ways to do themselves, yeah, to make their chest resonate, to make them let them feel good, to improve vagal nerve tone, heart rate variability because of the location. Um, but it just it, but using sensei enables people to do it reliably, safely, consistently, and without any, you know, without 10 years of practice. Mm. So if someone's listening who is maybe not a meditator, someone that's very anxious, suffers with anxiety, has found mm-hmm. meditation hard, you know, lots of thoughts, finds it hard to relax, um, is not necessarily a person that is doing a lot of breath work or a lot of, you know, any of this work at all, perhaps, but wants to find ways to reduce that anxiety. Will the sensate work and how will it make them feel after a session? Um I mean, gen- the basic answer is most, the vast majority of people do feel different after a first 10 minute session, mm-hmm. uh, which is what it was designed to do. And it does that. Um, uh, there's, there's two things I kind of point out, which I think are important, which is uh, to not feel anxious in the modern world implies, in my opinion, a strong degree of denial. Mm-hmm. You know, we live, we're living in crazy times. Yeah? Times are unique. The world has never been um, this threatened. If you like, you know, the, you know we, we genuinely are in a situation where the world could be destroyed at any any time in the next ten years, uh, and that's you know, we've never really been in that place before. So that's highly anxiety provoking. So if you're not feeling anxious about that, then you're not listening. <laughs> yeah, but I do think that there are people who are operating from a, a, a consistently hyper anxious state that where they can't function because it's, yeah. it's as so you know I might be anxious about you know, what, something that makes me anxious, just as a random example is, you know, my kids are seven and four, but I'm anxious about them becoming teenagers and and wanting phones and screens and what's going to happen to them when they're on the online world. That's anxiety inducing, but I'm talking about the people who are kind of the small things in life create anxiety for them because that's, you know, just kind of how their life has become perhaps because of trauma, perhaps because they've never had enough access to know how to manage their emotions. But as a first step, for me, the sensate seems like a really good first step because I've given it to people to just try, anxious yeah. people, and it has really calmed them down. And they've gone on to buy it and say that it is really the thing that has become, you know, their go-to. And so I'm talking about kind of people who operate from that space that find it very hard to meditate or very hard to calm their thoughts. Yeah. Um, that I think it would, you know, it's pretty beneficial for, not just, you know, the expert meditators or the, you know, the monks. <laughs> Well, I think I think we need to acknowledge that meditation is incredibly difficult. It is, yeah, because we're not um, given those, those, those resources. I mean, it's difficult for anyone. It's always been difficult. I don't think we say that enough, that actually it's the simplest and the hardest thing you will ever do. Mm-hmm. I mean, doing nothing is incredibly difficult. It really is. I, I say this all the time. I say this, you know, when I'm teaching meditation on my course, I say to my clients, how med- when you're talking about how difficult it is because thoughts come to you i've been meditating for 20 years since i was 18 yeah. and i can tell you that the way my meditation looks inside my head probably doesn't look too different to how your meditation <laughs> looks right now it's just the act of doing it yeah. the simple act of actually just consciously doing it that creates the changes in your health and in your physiology we know what i found uh, about 10 years ago that it's even more than that is what I call the dark side of mindfulness, which is that a really quite significant proportion of people actually feel worse when they try to relax or meditate or even use an app mm. to, to make them uh, help them breathe uh, and, and be, you know, follow a mindfulness program. And that isn't that surprising. 
you know, if, if, uh, if, if as many of us are, are running around coping from being overwhelmed by being super busy. Mm. And then if you say to some, you know, if you want to have, if you want somebody to have a panic attack, just ask them to look at their breathing. Right. You know, because most people are hyperventilating or mouth breathing to a, to a, to a large extent, you know, virtually, you know, feeling overwhelmed and anxious is pretty much ubiquitous. Mm. And most people are, it's only, it's only really by how much. So to then suddenly say to somebody, okay, lovely, sit down and notice your thoughts and empty your mind. Although, of course, as you know, emptying your mind isn't actually part of meditation. But um, uh, of course, they, 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 a lot of them, I think, and then they're going to worry, oh, am I doing it right? So, the, you know, it's very common for people to torture themselves about, you know, whether they're meditating properly. Mm. So, you know, I had, I had um, for years, I had a lot of people coming to me and saying, oh, I tried to do that 10 minute thing you asked me to do, but I just sat there waiting for it to finish and being anxious and thinking about all the things I had to do. So that's, that's why I designed Sensate so that um, you didn't, you, and you don't have to do anything. Yeah. You don't even have to follow something. Yeah. Because as soon as um, you, you're asked to do something, even something as simple as listen or watch something, it activates the part of the brain that uh, makes you want, worry about whether or not you're achieving it properly. Mm. And yeah, I want, yeah. And, yeah, and I really wanted to just switch that whole mechanism off in people. So the sensei will work then regardless of whether you're there trying to meditate on the music or trying to relax. It's just working regardless of what your brain's doing. Yeah, exactly. It, it works whether you kind of want it to or not almost. I mean, of course you want it to, but uh, it's not really about what you do. Um, and, you know, you, if you want to, you can sit there noticing your breathing, but you don't have to. And most people don't bother. They just, most people fall asleep, actually, is the most mm. common. Response. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, honestly, it's a great piece of health tech. I'm so, so grateful to you for bringing it to us. Who, who creates the music? How, how has that happened? Because I always find that very interesting in terms of like, the tracks are very intentional. My favorite one's the H2O. And actually, I have a request for you. Really important request. Yeah. H2O is only 10 minutes. I need that one to be 20 minutes. Ah, uh, yeah. Funny you should say that. We're, we're um, before the end of the year, there will be long, different versions, but also a bunch of new tracks coming out. Oh, I'm so excited. I've used all of them, but I have my three favorites yeah. H2O, The Forest, and Somnolence. Okay. Um, those are my favorites, but H2O is my ultimate favorite. Oh, For really? some reason, that track does something to me every time. But then I get brought out of it when it finishes. I need it to be longer. So that's my request for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we're working on that, actually. Um, we, we should be able to do exactly that quite shortly. Um, I mean, the tracks generally. So I, um, when I'm out in nature, which is a lot, I pilgrimage a lot, like I say, I do a lot of long distance walking in nature as much as possible. Um, I was on Dartmoor two weeks ago when there was no moon and, you know, without any electric light and I can. Confirm, wow. I can confirm it gets really the removal of electric light actually is one of the most interesting anti-fragility tools mm. uh, you, re you realize how dependent we've become on electric just being able to even, oh, yeah. even, even if it's only a torch right just being able to turn that on but anyway I record I've got my, my mic and my equipment so I record a lot of noise uh, sound in nature mm -hmm. uh, so birds water rain um, I was on Orford Ness recently. I don't know if you know that off the Suffolk coast recording this, a lot of very, very unique uh, sounds there. And that's one of the new uh, tracks that's going to be released. So we, so, and, and I, I, I see these kind of stories um, uh, about the atmosphere that we're trying to create. Mm -hmm. And then I, and then there's some composers uh, that I work with, um, uh, you know, guy, guy that kind of lives up a tree pretty much who sort of channels a lot of this sound. Like, you know, so we, we work together as a, as a, a unit 
uh, creating the ambience and the atmosphere, uh, which I've you know, picked up and recorded. And we're increasingly mixing in spatial sounds. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but uh, quite a nice way to think about that is like, you know, mono, old fashioned mono, that's like one dimensional. And then we got stereo, which is two dimensional, but still completely unnatural and the two sources of sound. And then spatial sound is like three dimensional sound. So it's mixing in 360 degrees. So you know, you've got a bird up here and you've got a, you know, a rustle down there. You're, you've got sound all around you. Uh, and then if you add sensate into that, you then get four dimensional sound. So you then have immersive multi-sensory uh, experience, which is more powerful, therefore. So yeah, so it's it, and it it feels intentional. So I was I always wondered kind of how that process came together. Yeah, music. and if, if I'm going to write an article about how we create a sensei track, amazing. You know, what, what you know, what the process is, what the inspiration is. Uh, I mean, there is a lot of science in it, but it's quite intuitive science. We have you know we've, we've got loads of graphs and stuff that we use, and lots of high tech equipment that we use. Um, but ultimately. Um, what it comes down to is me experiencing something and then working out how to translate that into this sonic infrasound and audio experience. Mm. Um, and, you know, and then listening to the track and, and, and seeing whether it reproduces that same kind of uh, emotional, physical outcome. Mm. What I love, I, I talk about this a lot, that <clears throat> for me, health tech has become a thing that has and and you know biohackers still use the word biohacks and you know all these hacks we have that modern life and technology have done a lot to uh you know have brought harm um to our lives however we can then use technology to then mitigate that harm and i feel like with the sensate and with you know generally kind of these these amazing health tech products that we you know, I used to think, why do I want to use more technology? I want to get away from technology. I just want to meditate with nothing. But actually, especially for the people who are on these kind of feeling very anxious a lot of the time, we can utilize that, but those biohacks, this health technology to mitigate the effects of modern life and what it's doing for us. And, and you know, the sensei's really done that. So thank you for that. No, you're absolutely welcome. And I think that's exactly right. Uh, and the point is you can't uninvent anything. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter how you know, evil, I tell you your smartphone is, nobody's going to throw it away. No. Because no, it's too useful. And, you know, if people are, most people are working from home or at home, are unable to leave or anxious or you know, don't have the kind of, con it's, you know, it's all very well for me to say, oh, yeah, great. You know, just get out into the forest and, you know, do some forest bathing, bathing and you'll be, you know, just, you know, sleep, sleep uh, under a tree. You know, it's, it's all very well to say that, but that, it's not available for a lot of people. Mm either literally not available or yeah. the idea of it is too scary. Yeah. So, so, you know, technology, and this is my vision, that technology can be the bridge mm. to these kind of um, uh, resources for people. Yeah. So, you know, my, my vision uh, it was Sensate is to have positively impacted the lives of 100 million people by 2025. Uh, and users have now run 25 million minutes uh, of Sensate time. Um, so we are moving in that direction. And we, um, we did a bit of maths the other day and we worked out um, it would have taken me 378 years in clinic seeing patients to have had the same impact uh, that we've already had with Sensei. So for me, and, and, that, uh, yeah, and for me, it's all about the impact. It's all about the volume, the numbers of people that we, ha we have to help become self-regulating so they're not locked into this kind of fear cycle short-term fear cycle you know we need people to be thinking longer term if we want to 
uh, see the kind of out- positive outcomes that are needed. I love that. I love that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. Okay, so all about you, rapid fire round. Are you ready? Go. <laughs> right, the first one's always the same. Uh, wellness is? Wellness is feeling harmonious, feeling content. Mm, I would agree. One thing that everyone should start doing to improve their well-being? Walking. Quick answer, short and sweet. Um, where do you see health tech taking us in the next 10 years? I think it's got to become empathic. Yeah, we, we have to be in charge of it. Also, our data, you know, we have to own our data. Mm, yes, so important. And lastly, if you could raid one person's brain and retain all their information, who would it be? Oh, dear. Um, <clears throat> Tesla, Nikolai Tesla. Oh, yeah. I actually saw a post about him yesterday that he he had all these incredible ideas and he was he was a genius and he mm. was way ahead of his time and yet he still died unknown in poverty. Um, well, and Edison got most of the credit for his inventions. Yeah, I mean Edison basically was good at patenting. Mm. Uh, it's 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 often often the way. I mean Tesla was clearly on the spectrum uh, as am I as 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 are most you know creatives. Um, and uh, I think one of the things that's really important for healing society is that we welcome the idea of people who are on the spectrum, people who are neurodiverse back into our lives. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Stefan, thank you so much for your time. Um, but, but for this, this piece, this incredible piece of health technology that is helping so many people, I'm, I'm so grateful to you. Thank you so much. Um, and for anyone who's interested, all the information about the Sensate will be in the show notes. Um, so make sure to head there um, for a sweet little discount on the Sensate as well. Oh, good. Excellent. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconditioned. I am honestly so grateful to each and every person that tunes in. Thank you also for taking responsibility for your own well-being. You should know that just by choosing to listen to podcasts like this that further your well-being, you're moving more deeply into abundance consciousness. Now, don't forget, I have a bunch of free resources over at laurenvacneen.co.uk, as well as every recommendation you could ever need in regards to your well-being on the LV Recommends page, all categorized for your ease. Thank you also to our sponsors. These episodes would not be possible without them, so make sure to check them out and get some pretty awesome discounts on the show notes. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get updated each time a new one is released. Thank you. I appreciate appreciate you. Reconditioned is proud to be working with Women for Women International, a charity that supports women survivors of war in eight war-torn countries around the world. You can help a woman survivor of war transform her life today by visiting womenforwomen.org.uk forward slash donate.